Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. The world needs to hear your message and your story, so don't deny the world of that gift within you that the universe has given you. Someone out there needs to hear your story because it will support them in feeling hope, inspired, and even transformed. Do you want to discover how I help get my clients out of their own way, show up, and confidently share their message? I would love to extend an invitation to you to join me in my free masterclass, Start Your Own Podcast from Idea to Implementation, on Wednesday, April 5th at 1 p.m. Eastern. You can find the registry link in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is Emily Todd. She is a personal freedom and business coach, a speaker, a corporate wellness facilitator, and founder of the Burnout Prevention and Recovery Co- Program, Burnout Academy. Welcome, Emily. I am so happy to have you here. We were just talking before we jumped on air about all the other women who are friends of yours that have been part of the, <laughs> the Empowerography club and now you are a member so welcome how are you doing today <laughs> i am so honored and excited to be here brad and yes yeah, so many of my favorite women in this world <laughs> have been on your podcast and i was starting to feel a little left out <laughs> well now you are but here thank you. We do. you have arrived emily has arrived people i'm here i'm here no. and i am so happy and grateful to have you here and honored i am really looking forward to jumping in and sharing all about your story and your journey and the beautiful light you put out into the world through the work you do. So welcome and Mm. let's get started. (laughs) Let's go, Brad. I'm ready. (laughs) I'm ready to join the club. (laughs) Yes, you are in. You are officially past the velvet rope and in the front door. So, it feels so good. <laughs> with all of those hats you wear, that is one hell of a resume and a lot of hats you wear. It would seem, though, that there's a common thread running through all of them, and that is wellness or freedom. I'm curious, with all that you do, all these titles that you possess, the hats that you wear, how do you prioritize and how important is prioritization and organization to you? Mm. So important. In short, I come from a background, as you know, in the nine to five world in tech and startups, where I was always also very busy. And in that lifetime, I was burning out really frequently. And I do a lot of work now around burnout and burnout prevention and recovery. So it is really important for me just to be in integrity with myself and my work and to be happy to not allow myself to reach that point of burnout ever again. So for me, prioritization and making sure I get what I need to do done or what I get to do done (laughs) is really looking at, okay, like what will actually move the needle in Mm. my life right now? What is most in alignment with my current desires for my business, for my life versus let's just do it all and check all the boxes off and make this person happy and make that person happy. It's really like what feels most in alignment for me right now? What will make me feel happy and prioritizing that. And when I first started with entrepreneurship, I was recreating the same cycles of burnout because I was trying to be everything to everyone and do it all. So for me, every day, one of the first things I do in the morning is I do my, one of my mentors taught me this, what is my daily success list? What are the three things 
that are most going to move the needle in my life and my business. And those are what I focus on. And when I'm done with those for the day, anything else is a cherry on top. But I, <laughs> but I got to make sure those three things get done. And so it's feeling into that. Sometimes the night before I'll do it. It's like, what is yeah. really a priority right now? Or what is my mind perceiving to be a priority? So that's one of my main kind of anchors and making sure I'm not flying all over the place <laughs> and of no value to anyone when I'm in that place of burnout and overwhelm uh-huh. and, and chaos. And I find too, that giving myself that structure really allows my femininity and my creativity and my passion to really flourish in that structured container. Because when you're trying to do everything, right? It can yeah. be really hard to tap into that. We talked about this before we started recording, mm-hmm. but that feeling of flow. And so giving myself those guardrails each day is like, okay, this is important. This is what I'm prioritizing. And I get to play in this. I get to flow in this. I get to create in this. So I yes. love that. The guardrail analogy. Keeping those guardrails up. <laughs> yeah. there's, there's space between them. So you know you can bounce back and forth. You just don't want to go over the edge. So yeah, yeah. I love that. How can I rein myself in? Because <laughs> I have a big personality. I have a lot of energy. And it's really important for me to make sure it's being funneled into the right places. Yeah. And so with you wearing so many hats and knowing the importance of routine and regimen, what does your morning routine look like? Ah. Oh. The mornings are my favorite part of the day, which is so cool because when I was in the nine to five, it was a total disaster. When I would wake up, I'd wake up late. I would hurry to do some sort of workout, run off to the office, be on the subway in New York City, sweating, stressed. But actually, since I've been here in Mexico City, as we've been talking about, I'm just loving my life here. And something that's been cool is I've been waking up naturally at six in the morning. So my morning routine gets even more space. But what I always do in the morning, one cup of coffee. In my, my favorite mug, oh, it's this beautiful ritual. I'm the kind of person that gets excited about my coffee the night before. And then I'll sit and I'll do my journaling practice. I always do some sort of visualization or meditation. And then I always do some sort of physical movement to get into my body and out of my mm-hmm. mind. So those are my pillars, my anchors, and my non-negotiables. And my journaling routine is really important to me. That's where I get clarity on that daily success list. I go through gratitude. I go through, and maybe we'll get to talk about this more later, but I really focus in on how I'm winning in life, in my business, to really set myself up to feel that, yeah, I'm crushing it today. (laughs) Sometimes I'll feel into my vision. Sometimes I'll feel into what the version of me who has already achieved that vision, what would she be doing today? So some manifestations kind of practices, but that's the the loose morning routine, no matter where I am in the world. (laughs) Love it. Emily, what drives, motivates, and inspires you to keep going and excelling at all that you do? Mm, My why, the women I serve. For me, it's all about reminding women of the infinite choice, power, and freedom they hold in each moment, which we forget which I forgot for the majority of my life until I started to wake up to my own Mm -hmm. power, to my own freedom. Probably about four years ago was when it really just started to (laughs) unravel (laughs) fast. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, because I did all of the things that society told me would give me that feeling of freedom, that feeling of power, right? I had the job, I had the cool apartment, I had New York City, I had the, the wardrobe, I had the shoes, I had all the things, but yeah. I still didn't feel free. I still didn't feel empowered. And so I always view my work as something that me four or five years, six, 10, 20 years ago would have really <laughs> been supported by. And that's my why. Just reminding people who they are and where they come from and what resides within them. 
It's so easy to forget. In this it is because we get caught up in all the shit, all the yeah. all the bullshit, all the conditioning, the hustle culture, the to do list, all of this other bullshit. It is we have to be able to return back home and remember that no, all that shit doesn't matter. We have to return to ourselves, to our mm. bodies, and what makes us happy, what makes our soul sing. Yeah, and that was that my big realization in the quote unquote awakening was I was really living that life that was expected of me versus the life I desired. I didn't even know what I desired. I didn't even know there were other options. I just saw what my parents told me, what my boss told me, what society told me, like, this is how it is. This is the trajectory you follow. This is the timeline. And this will make you happy. And I see so many women stuck in that. And it's like, you have this blindfold on, or you're wearing this pair of glasses that are a little bit cracked, right? So you yeah. can't actually see the truth. So for me, it's like, can we remove those cracked glasses you're wearing and throw Let's put that, some new lenses in? Throw that shit in the trash. Yeah. <laughs> Give you some shiny new lenses. There you go. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about your coaching journey now. I've heard a lot of people say that most, if not all, coaches have been through their own personal struggles mm -hmm. and journeys before making the leap into coaching. And I know that, of course, as human beings, we all have our own shit to deal with. We all have our own <laughs> journey and struggles as human beings. But what I found, though, through the women I've spoken to who are now coaches, their personal journey or their personal struggles were the catalyst for them leaping mm. into the coaching world. Can you share a little bit about your own personal journey that you were on before making the leap into coaching? Oh, can I ever? I'll keep this, <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep this brief though. But like I said, I was in this world of doing all the right things and checking all the right boxes. I was managing a team of 20 people, making all the money. I didn't know it at the time, but I was so unhappy. I was so out of alignment and that manifested for me in a lot of really unhealthy coping strategies that were extremely destructive. Alcohol. It was normal, right? It's New York City, work hard, play hard. Oh, it's yeah. Friday. It's time for one martini, four martini, five martini. <laughs> Shopping. Oh, you know, I don't feel actually that sense of aliveness in my life. Let me go find it with the credit card. Let me go find it in Soho on Saturday. Let me go mm -hmm. find it in Hinge and swiping and dating. So for me, it was being kind of out of control, like looking for something outside of myself to fill what I didn't, again, realize was this like gaping hole and this voice that would not shut up, whispering and then screaming, yeah. this is not all there is. And I think I had that feeling. There's more. Like my dad was an entrepreneur and I saw something when I was younger, this my heart fluttered a little. I was like, I want to do this thing. And then it gets beaten out of you. And so I, I was just in this self-created cage and the drinking was out of control. The shopping was out of control. I was in horrible debt, even though I was making a lot of money. I think the way it was I was approaching relationship in men was just really handing my self-worth over. You make me feel worthy. You make me feel good. So there was a lot there. Like the alcohol is something I carry, not anymore, but I think up until recently, a lot of shame around because yeah. it was a lot. And I stopped, I had like a big pause uh -huh. a few years ago. It was three years ago. I quit drinking for one year. I was like, we got to see what life is like. <laughs> Sober. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that was a game changer for me because- I brought alcohol back in a few years ago, but I could see how I was using it to just numb, to avoid, to quiet that intuition, that inner knowing. And for me now, if I do choose to drink, it's more like, okay, let's have a glass or two. And it's yeah. out of pleasure versus mm -hmm. out of let me numb 
yeah. my life away. <laughs> yeah. It's controlled. Yeah. How have these experiences then helped shape the Emily you are today, both personally and professionally, do you think? I think that everything that we experience in life is for us. I truly believe that. So I think what I've grown through with the low self-worth and something else we can touch on, imposter yeah. syndrome and alcohol and I mean, something else I didn't mention, I experienced some pretty heavy depression in my 20s. And I think all of that built resiliency, built empathy, built compassion, built just like this. Mm. Built Emily, who you it are built, today. It, it, but it built this ability to really connect with my clients and the women that come into my space in a way that I wouldn't have been able to had I not grown through those experiences. So there are no mistakes. And sometimes I'm like, when I'm really in my shit, I'm like, I roll, like I'm a victim. This is happening to me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But I can look back on all of these and see why they had to happen with the intensity they did and the timeline they did, because it was so essential to my evolution and to get a little woo, but why my soul came here, why I'm incarnated in this body, Emily Todd, it's to uh, take that medicine and then uh -huh. become the medicine and then serve the medicine. And I just, everything in the moment, it can feel like victimhood and that why god why <laughs> but looking back it always makes sense i can always see why that mistake quote unquote led me to the woman i am now to the work i'm doing now to the clients i have now even some of the things i've been growing through the, this year that i felt like oh this is awful i've then been so magically paired with clients with women that are growing through the same thing and i'm like whoa i can really support you in this because i've been there so it's all for us in some cosmically messed up way. <laughs> yeah, that, but that self-awareness piece is massive. To be able to take a step back and look in from the outside and have the self-awareness to realize what the fuck's mm -hmm. going on. And yes, okay, well, this is happening for me, not to me. Step out of the victim mode. It's okay to go mm -hmm. there, but don't stay there. Let it wash over you. And then, okay, wait a minute. Hang on reset. No, we're not playing the victim here. Yeah. Let's have the self-awareness to step outside and say, no, no more of this shit. Let's move forward and step out of it. Yeah. And that's real freedom. And I, I lived sure. so much of my life in the victim role yeah. of life's happening to me, whether, it, oh, my, my boss is a certain way. My parents are a certain way. My boyfriend is a certain way. Life is a certain way. Yeah. And there's no power in that. Right. Yeah. And so to me, the only and this is the other thing. We look at life through this lens of this is truth. This is truth with a capital T. And I'm of the belief there are very few things in this world that are truth with a capital T. Most of it is subjective and we get to ascribe meaning. We get to ascribe the narrative to our experience and that impacts the experience, that changes the experience. What do I believe is happening here? What is this narrative? What is the story I want to tell? Does it give me the power? Does it give me the resiliency? Does it give me the growth or... Is it, oh, life is a certain way. <laughs> What's more powerful? Yeah. So the only narrative I care about at this point is the one that gives me the power, the one that gives my clients the power. Beautifully said. Emily, what would you say then was the biggest or most valuable takeaway or lesson for you through these experiences? Okay, well, one of them, you've heard the phrase elevation requires separation. I mm -hmm. am sure of it. Mm -hmm. So to me, that's a huge one, not in not only in just separating from the people, the places, the habits, but also it was really getting separation from that voice in my head 
who I used to believe I was that voice that's just incessantly chattering, incessantly finding all the problems, telling me how much of a screw up I am, telling me how unfair everything is, right? And so for me, that's been the biggest thing is that elevation from the environment, but most importantly, that voice and seeing I am not the voice in my head. I'm the one who sees that voice. And with that awareness and with that spaciousness, I have more choice. I have more freedom. And what I'm always most interested in is more freedom. Where can yeah. I be more free? And so it separation from that voice and seeing it's not me and something that's been huge for me the past few years is really getting into my body and out of my mind. Oh, that's a big one. <laughs> Because I love mindset work is so important, but I'm a big believer. There's only so far our minds can take us because they are inherently programmed. Yeah. <laughs> and we do so much to undo the programming and rewire. But to me, it's the, the wisdom of my body, the intelligence of my body. That's where our intuition lies in our body. So it's also more and more getting into my body. Does this feel like power? Does this feel expansive? Am I collapsing? Do I feel my power leaving my body? This is going to give me energy or is it going to take my energy and really dropping into that when I'm orienting how I want to live my life and what choices I want to make and how, how I want to prioritize what I want to do in my business. So that's been huge for me, for Love sure. It. Why have you decided to focus your energy and business solely on helping to empower women? Because I think women are, we're the creators. We're the freaking, I love you, Brad. <laughs> no, it's all good. No, but like there is so much just power and wisdom and creativity that lies within the feminine. And I believe the way women see the world and the way we can bring so much compassion and awareness and consciousness to lives, to our businesses, to our companies is so beautiful. And I think women's voices and their intuition and that knowing we have and that intelligence we have, that wisdom we have has been silenced for a long time. Or a lot of us have been told, oh, you're crazy or that doesn't make sense. I am such a stand for women rising up into the power, the freedom, the alignment they have always been. And men are fucking amazing. I love <laughs> men. I love men. But I see there's so much that women did not receive for so long. And so I, I think in a lot of ways we're not catching up, but we're just getting that foundation even more solidified. The rise is starting for sure. And it's long overdue and it's about time. And it's amazing to see because coming from corporate, I saw a lot of competition among women because yeah. of course they had no choice. They had to compete because the options and the opportunities were so few. So there was no other way to do it than to compete with each other. But now I'm seeing so much support and community and collaboration, which is fucking incredible. And that's mm. only going to help and further the rise of the feminine. And also with us men getting on board and stepping up and letting the women know that we are here to support and standing mm. shoulder to shoulder with the women and letting them know that we are here as allies to support and help elevate and amplify voices because women's voices have been silenced for so long. So it's about time that women start screaming from the fucking mountaintops and the men join <laughs> in and help them. Yes, we are here and we are screaming and we are loud and we are proud. And it's something that I think is so important to me too, because again, I come from corporate background, nine to five as well. And I was a director and I managed a team and I would be in the room when salary increases would come around and performance reviews. And I remember the experience of the men on my team coming into the room with their case for why they needed a raise. And, you know, they'd hit maybe half their goals and... <laughs> 
<laughs> they were like, you know, it's okay. It's so, not great. So. Yeah. And they were like, I deserve a $30,000 raise because of this, because of this. And I was like, whoa, that's actually quite convincing. And then, <laughs> and then I would have these incredible women on my team come into the room and you know, they'd hit nine out of 10, 10 out of 10 of their goals. And they were like, oh, Emily, I don't know. I don't know if I deserve a raise. I, I don't know if I fully am ready. And I'm yeah. like, oh, I see it right in front of me. This yeah. how it's unfolding. These incredible women on my team telling me, I don't deserve this raise, even though they are outperforming the men like crazy. <laughs> so that confidence and that self-worth and that ownership of their power mm-hmm. and who they are, I'm just such a stand for. And I look back on those boardroom experiences and sometimes I get a little inflamed. <laughs> like that was ridiculous. <laughs> and those men often, they got raises because they were really good at making the case for they it. They spoke up for it. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. How long have you been coaching, Emily? Oh, well, officially, (laughs) about three years officially, but unofficially, (laughs) probably about 10 years in my last role before I left my nine to five, I was managing, like I said, a large team and that's what I loved doing. I was technically director of growth, director of marketing, but I, towards the end, I was like, I don't care about that. I just want my weekly one-on-ones with my team. I want to sit down and hear about their goals and their dreams and their personalized and their professionalized, (laughs) what's blocking them. And, you know, some of my team would call me coach Emily and my (laughs) CEO was always like, I don't know what it is about your management style, but your team is always crushing it and they love you. And (laughs) so that was for me, that little data point of, yeah. I wonder if I could do this for a living. <laughs> and here we are. And here we are. Now we're certified and we have oh, a website. But <laughs> <laughs> What is it then that sets you and the work you do apart from other coaches? Why would they choose to work with you over someone else? Well, I think it's just when you find a coach that you're meant to work with, I think you, first of all, it's just, it's a knowing. It's just, yeah. wow, that person sees me, that person gets me. I think it ultimately can have very little to do with certifications and what modalities you have. But I think the women that choose to work with me, choose to work with me because they see that I have been where they are and that I understand the experience. And they see that I have taken myself from that experience because I work with a lot of women that were me four or five years ago in the nine to five, checking all the boxes, everything should be great, but they're not happy. And so they feel that claustrophobia of, well, how do I break free? How do I even figure out what my dream is? How do I create my dream? And so I think they see me and they see that I've done that in a way that's really an integrity to me and who I am and what I desire. And I keep it really real. I am always very transparent with my clients about what I'm experiencing and what I'm growing through. I'm not a believer in a coach being on a pedestal of, I'm a perfectly evolved human. When someone's portraying that online, I'm like, ah, things off here. I'm calling bullshit on that. (laughs) I'm calling bullshit on that. (laughs) So I know my clients love that I've, yeah, I've been there. And I do a lot of business coaching recently as well. And not to ever knock anyone, but I do see a lot of 22, 23 year old business coaches. And I'm like, Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure there. I've been in startups. I've been in entrepreneurship for 15 years. So there's an embodiment there. I have attended the school of hard knocks. Yeah. So a 22, 23 year old. What life experience do you really have by 22 you know, or 23? <laughs> there's some meme on Instagram. If only we could all have the confidence of a 22 year old life coach. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What would you say are three of the most important lessons you've learned in your journey as a coach so far? Oh, 
You ask such good questions. <laughs> I think one of the biggest ones, and we've all heard this phrase too, is what you focus on expands. And that to me, I've heard it for years, but really starting to understand what that means in the past few years is that I really get to control and influence my own reality by what I'm focusing on. And it's really been this practice of, because entrepreneurship and becoming a coach and all of it, it brings up all of your greatest wounds and shadows and traumas and insecurities and it's been shadow work like no other, but it's like processing all of this dirt that's getting dug up, but it's also focusing on, okay, where am I winning? How am I winning? How am I more resourced and resilient than I realize? And training myself to focus on that. That's part of my morning journaling practice is every morning, yeah. how am I winning to train my mind to really see that? And something I had learned about last summer in a course was that it's called the reticular activating system. And it's just okay. been a game changer for me. <laughs> so that's the, this little device in our brain that filters the billions of pieces of data we receive on a daily basis. So once I learned about that, I'm like, oh, okay, so there's literally infinite things unfolding before my very eyes, but my reticular activating system is focusing and filtering right. Depending on what I'm feeding it. So it's like the red car phenomenon too. Like, yeah. right? oh, okay. I got a red car. Now everyone has a red car. Or I got this pair of shoes. Now everyone has this pair of shoes. So every day I'm training my reticular activating system. This is how I'm winning. This is how I'm resourced. And then I start to see more of that because my mm-hmm. brain is more interested in that. And it's expanding in my experience. I'm picking up more and more examples of how things are working out in my favor. So that's been huge for me. It's powerful. I mean, entrepreneurship, I think, is one of the biggest tests or lessons or things that will stretch you the most in your life. Like it it shows you things you never knew existed in your body. It stretches muscles you never knew you had. It pushes you. It stretches you. It's a fuck of a journey. It's a long, hard road, but it's incredible. It's one of the biggest learning lessons in life. You will learn so fucking much about yourself in your entrepreneurial journey. Yes, massive. And I'm such a stand for being honest about that journey, because we had talked about this when we first connected. I feel very strongly that entrepreneurship is portrayed in a very fantastical way online. It's all skipping on beaches in Bali and (laughs) time freedom. (laughs) It's all amazing. And and I had that belief coming into entrepreneurship and that kind of messed me up at first because it wasn't the reality of what I was experiencing was not matching what I was seeing on Instagram. (laughs) So I was like, what am I doing wrong? (laughs) So I I love having that conversation about what is actually unfolding in entrepreneurship, which is multiple existential crises and dark nights of the soul and melting into a pile of goo. And I think the more we talk about that as entrepreneurs, I think the less alone we feel when that inevitably will happen. Because again, like that messed me up when I got into this game because I I thought there was something wrong with me. I thought, oh, well, it's not going according to how Instagram said, so (laughs) I'm not cut for this. I guess I should throw in the towel. But now it's like something's coming up and I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. This is an initiation. Let's freaking go. Let's bring it on. Let's hear from me. I got my gloves on. I'm (laughs) like Rocky Balboa. I'm ready to get in the ring. (laughs) You had said three lessons, Brad, and I only gave you two. Should I give you two more? You can be one more. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So a big one for me is stop getting ready to get ready. Mm, yes. Because I was a massive perfectionist for most of my career. And so that 
tendency to let me just cross off everything and dot all the I's and cross all the T's and make sure I'm the expert, make sure everything looks great, make sure my website is perfect, make sure my messaging is perfect, make sure I have all the certifications. It, it had me in this cycle of never actually doing the thing and just getting ready and getting ready and waiting for the perfect time. Yeah. And I see that a lot in my clients who are designing to you know, start their hardline business or side hustle is it's not the right time. I got to do all these things first and you got to rebrand. And you do, and to me, it's such a brilliant strategy from our minds to mm -hmm. keep us exactly where we are and to keep us yep. safe, safe yet suffering versus getting out there and getting messy and getting in the game and making the quote unquote mistakes. And that's what we fear when we're in mm -hmm. this cycle of getting ready to get ready. Let me be perfect before I do anything. And there never is a perfect time. No. It's, it's like saying just to a woman or a woman saying, oh, I'm not ready to have a baby yet. It's not the right time to have. Fuck. Just, it's just something that you, <laughs> could, you just got to do. You can't get ready for it. You can't. Let's just yeah. jump in and fucking do it. Otherwise, oh. you'll never do it. Oh, man. And it's like when we're in avoiding doing the thing because we're avoiding making mistakes, being imperfect, we're avoiding the lessons, we're avoiding yeah. the growth, we're avoiding honing our craft. So yeah, that's been a big one. <laughs> so how has your coaching style evolved then since you first started out to now? I think when I first started, I was much more in purely the conscious mind and in you know, strategy and mindset work and all that, which is so perfect and beautiful and and huge. But in the past, I would say year and a half, I've gotten much more into the body and somatics and the subconscious mind and the energetics. So it's gone, I think, more from being purely head-based to being body-based. Yeah. And I love bringing the two together. I think we need both. Yeah. Like, absolutely. And I have also gotten much more into, again, energetics and manifestation and the laws of the universe. And I love bringing those in and applying those to life and to business. And again, like when we talk about when a coach has been for you, like the, I don't work with entrepreneurs who are like, this is how the world is. It's very <laughs> purpose-driven, soul-driven, a slight little bit of woo in there. Yeah. Right? So. Yeah. I'm not the coach for everyone, but that's what is alive and active for me. And that's my truth. And so that's become a huge pillar of my coaching. Now, I want to speak a little bit. You've mentioned it a couple of times, burnout and how it relates to what I'm seeing and hearing from a lot of women in particular that I speak to. And what, in your opinion, or through your work with the women that you do work with who are suffering from burnout, what seems to be three of the top causes for women experiencing burnout? And why do you think it's affecting more women than men? This is one of my favorite topics in the entire world. <laughs> <laughs> so women are being disproportionately affected by burnout. That's in mm -hmm. all the statistics. And I got really curious about that the past few years. Why is that happening? And I think there's quite a few reasons, but I think one of the big ones, and we already alluded to this, but we look at these different kind of archetypes, right? That we operate under. And for women in burnout, I would say the perfectionist and the people pleaser are two really big reasons why women can drive themselves into burnout at higher rates than men. So you have that perfectionist in the office who, yeah. this, this was me, you know, rereading that email, 
40, 50 times before I sent it out, making yeah. sure every slide on my deck had the periods in the right places, <laughs> and the commas in the right places. And I think women are just habitualized into that perfection game, right? In our bodies, in our booties, in our Instagrams, and in all of it. But I think that really spills over into the office. And there's a shadow side and, and a gift to it, right? Like we right. deliver this really high quality work. and <laughs> But the shadow of it is that we can spend so much of our time and energy trying to be perfect at all times at the office. And I think yeah. that's a huge driver of burnout. And then I think you also have the people pleaser. I don't want to let anyone down. I don't want to say no. I don't want to you know, set that boundary. There's that fear of being disliked. There's a fear of saying, oh no, I actually, I can't deliver that by Friday. It's yeah. Thursday night. I, I actually am going to be delivering that to you on Tuesday. That's what's really, there's a fear, right? There's a fear mm -hmm. of, oh, my boss, I'm gonna let my boss down. Oh, what is he gonna think or something bad's gonna happen to me? So those are some of the archetypes that I really see. And then also the hyperachiever. I think a lot of women and I, again, myself included, I was like, I am going to keep up with the boys. I am going to show I, my boss. I'm just as strong. I'm going to be, okay, they're going to be here till 9 PM. I'm going to be here till 9 PM. Oh, it's midnight this week. I'll be here till midnight. Like I'm going to one up you. Like <laughs> I'll be here till fucking one. Yeah. I mean, I was in a very male dominated space. I was in mm -hmm. tech. And so yeah. I think there was a subconscious belief. I wasn't conscious of it at the time, but I want to keep up with the boys. I don't want to be viewed as weak, even though we, we all know this to be true. When you're exhausted and at the office till midnight, you're not necessarily more productive. So in retrospect, I'm like, okay, well, I got like this incredible amount of work done in this three hour period. I'm freaking done for the day. Why didn't I just go home? Yeah. No. But it's like, I want to achieve and be viewed in a certain way and keep up with the boys and all that. And I think obviously there are boundaries. Yeah. fearing, setting boundaries. And then the last one I'll say is I think our relationship with pleasure and joy and aliveness. I think when you look at how a lot of humans, not just women, but humans spend their free time outside of work, it is full of shoulds. It is full of, I got to do this thing. Oh, I got to learn this thing. Oh, I got to be productive. And it's very little of our free time is actually filling our cup and actually right. lighting us up. Yeah. Right. Or, or it's, you know, what we're all guilty of it's uh, scrolling on Instagram, yeah. it's watching Netflix and online shopping in our free time. And it's these false hits of aliveness and these quick, cheap dopamine hits that don't actually sustain us. They shoot our dopamine right off. We crash back down. Yeah. Versus on, on those nights and weekends, really filling up on what turns us on. And yeah. Understanding what that even is. A lot of the burnt out women that come to me when we start to look at how, their free time is being spent and how that might be impacting their burnout. I'm like, well, what do you really love doing? Because I'm looking at their calendar. I'm like, you don't want to go to Sally's brunch. You're going to a social event you don't give a shit about. Why are you reading this book? You don't like this book. You're reading this book for a year. Oh, because someone told me it was a great book and I would learn something. I'm like, what do you actually love? And often the question is, I don't know anymore. Yeah. I don't know. Because it's beaten out of us and it's just, oh, you know, I got to be an adult and on the weekends. I got to do these things. I got to see these people. I got to be a good wife, good girlfriend, good friend, good daughter, whatever it is. And so to me, a big part of getting out of burnout is often reconnecting with what you love doing. And love that. <laughs> yeah, it's a, a really awful homework assignment. I often get <laughs> is, is called a, it's called project turn on. <laughs> so it's. <laughs> so it's like they get to make a list of 20 things that bring them pleasure, joy, and aliveness. And so I was like, 20? 
I only have three. And I'm like, this is part of the journey. You get to put something on the list. Yeah. It's for a week. We have this list. And again, some women are like, well, I don't know if these things are. I'm like, well, go experiment. Go try it. Go see it. Go go do that thing. And like, you can rank it. You can give your analytical mind something. Is it a one to a 10 on the scale of pleasure and joy and really uncovering your unique codes for feeling good and feeling alive again? I love it too. It's my favorite. (laughs) Are Are you seeing? Seeing women come from certain areas of business that are experiencing a higher rate of burnout as opposed to others. I mean, I know that the healthcare industry is experiencing a very high rate of turnover due to mm. burnout. So is there any specific areas that you're seeing or noticing or is it just across the board? I, For me, I would say I don't... Hmm. Nothing is jumping out at me in particular in mm. terms of the clients I work with because my clients tend to be nine to fivers right. and tech startups, but I do obviously know that healthcare is record high levels of burnout. And I think everywhere is record high levels of burnout. You see Mm. the stats all the time. I used to have a Google alert and then I got too depressed (laughs) seeing the burnout news every week, but it's gotten worse since COVID. And I think there's so many reasons for that. But I think one of the big ones is we got very confused what the boundaries were between (laughs) work and being a human because it all melted together during COVID working at home. And I think a lot of us are still on clear and or or something I've seen a lot of is we created a new standard of over delivering and always being on and working all the hours because we didn't have anything else to do. And I see this a lot in my clients. It's like, well, I did, I got promoted because I have this way of working and I'm afraid of what will happen when I stop doing that. Because mm-hmm. I've built a reputation as, oh, so-and-so. Wow, she's just such, she's always responding to emails Saturday, Sunday. <laughs> She'll deliver in 24 hours. And it's like, that's become a prison. Yeah, for sure. A self-imposed yeah. prison. Yeah, self-imposed prison. Yeah. But that, I saw that a lot with women coming out of COVID. It's like, how do I get out of this? I have this personality now that everyone loves, <laughs> but I'm freaking dying. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> And so what are a couple of tips or takeaways then that you could share with the listeners that they can implement immediately to start taking some preventative measures when it comes to burnout? Yeah. One of the first things I always say is do a boundary audit and an energy audit. So it's really looking at where your time and energy is going. And it can be really simple. It can be making a list of what is adding to my energy and what's detracting from my energy. And starting to get really honest with yourself of, okay, these things that are taking my energy, is there an opportunity here to start reducing the presence of this in my life and having a courageous conversation or setting that boundary and the things that are adding to my energy? Is there an opportunity for me to start adding more of that to my life? And I think it's really that those patterns, right? Those mind, uh, we'll call them mindset saboteurs. Uh mentor of mine trained me in that of the perfectionist and the people pleaser and the hyper achiever and even the controller that was a huge one is let me be on every email and in every meeting and starting to track her starting to track her throughout the day and starting to see is this a conscious choice i am making or is this a pattern of habituated response that i'm falling into that is clearly driving me into burnout or could have me on the highway there, the, the yeah. fast track to burnout. The fast track, yeah. So something I'll do because awareness creates space and creates choice and creates freedom. Mm-hmm. So it's 
Sometimes I'll have clients set a, a timer on their phone. It says four times a day, we're going to check in. If you're working with the perfectionist, you have a really active perfectionist. <laughs> Let's see, how did the perfectionist show up And since the last alarm went off? What's the different choice I can make next time? Why did she make that choice? Why did she say yes? Why didn't she say no? What was I afraid of happening here? So it's starting to track these patterns in their natural habitat because <laughs> as they're prowling around. Mm-hmm. And to me, that is a huge one. And I'm not a believer that we obliterate these patterns and we just kill them off. I don't believe in that. I still have a perfectionist that I notice that I have the space around it now. I can see when she's starting to obsess about the Instagram reel or the graphic or the email she's sending. So I'm, oh, okay, we're doing that thing. I can feel anxiety start to spiral in my body. I'm thought looping. I've been spending too long on this. I'm creating stories in my head. We're just going to hit send. We're just going to hit post. So there's space around it now. Let's speak a little bit about your Burnout Academy program. Can you tell us about that, how it works, and talk about your seven-pillar approach? Oh, I would love to, Brad. (laughs) (laughs) So first of all, the reason I created this program was I was very dissatisfied with traditional burnout recovery and prevention advice. You go to your HR department or you go on Google and it says, okay, well, all you got to do. All you got to do is just take more vacation, schedule more me time, do more yoga, meditate more. <laughs> There's this app headspace or switch jobs, right? And yeah. to me, I have empirical evidence. None of those strategies helped me sustainably overcome burnout. I would come back from the vacation. I would come back from the meditation retreat and then I would burn out again in a few months or I would switch jobs. Because I was like, it's my boss's fault. It's my lazy coworker's fault. It's my CEO's <laughs> fault. But then I would find myself in a place of burnout again. So that got me really curious. I was like, okay, it's not necessarily external. It's internal. I'm creating these patterns of burnout. It's within me. And until these roots are addressed, it's going to be a pattern that reappears no matter who your boss is, no matter what industry you're in. And I, I saw that really happen for myself when I became an entrepreneur. I was like, no more burnout. Yay. And then <laughs> a few months later, there we were again. <laughs> so it's a pillared approach. It's seven pillars. So mm-hmm. we look at, and I've talked a about a few of these already, but it's looking at your boundaries and your energy and where that's going. It's looking at your relationship with pleasure, joy, and aliveness and how you're spending your free time. Is it box checking and shooting and productivity and all that? Or is it really filling your own cup? And it's looking at your beliefs around pleasure and feeling good and feeling joy and feeling aliveness. Because a big paradigm we live in is, oh, when I do all of the things, then I'll feel good. Yeah. Versus... When I feel good, I do good. And so it can be hard at first to get these high achieving women that I work with to get the, their buy-in on scheduling and making space for themselves. They're like, I don't have time for that. But I'm like, you will start to see that the more you feel good, the better you'll do at work, the more productive right. you're going to be. Because we all actually know this, how productive we are when, again, we're exhausted. It's 10 p.m. versus when we're well-rested, did our morning practices, I had a great night the night before and we just we're creative we're on we're productive so it's really starting to understand that gets to be prioritized your life depends on it because yeah. it does and looking at another pillar is the mindset saboteurs so the perfectionist the people please the hyperachiever the controller and seeing how those qualities that initially made you successful are starting to run the show and drive you into burnout 
Another pillar is nervous system regulation and looking at how you're actually managing stress. And I, I talked about this earlier, but my way of managing stress used to be drinking. It used to be, let's go out for a happy hour. And I see that with a lot of high achieving women. It's that bottle of wine at night or two, three glasses. Yeah. And it's how that's not actually moving stress and anxiety through the body. It's trapping it. It's actually making you more exhausted and irritable and your mindset is all messed up and your body feels awful. So it's like, how can we actually teach you different strategies that you can use? I have ones that are very quick that they can use in a boardroom. They can do it under the table or in the bathroom stall. It doesn't have to be a 30 minute meditation. I'm interested in what someone's actually going to do. Right. So I make the techniques very easy. And then I have so many pillars. <laughs> also, I, reconnecting with your values and your vision and your why, because I always say this too. I think there's two types of burnout. There's soul burnout, which is, I think, a lot of people who are saying like, I'm burnt out, but you look at their schedules, they're actually only working seven, eight hours a day. They're not working weekends. They're taking all their vacation. And to me, that's soul burnout. That's when you're so disconnected from your why on this planet, for your life, from your values, from your vision. So I think a lot of the work around burnout is reminding you why you're doing what you're doing and why you're here. And then another pillar I think is really interesting is intuition. Women and their intuition. Because to me, burnout is not something that happens overnight. It happens over an extended period of time where we ignore our intuition and ignore our body, ignore our knowing. So it's starting to reestablish that connection. And our intuition, right? We know this gets quieter the more we stomp on it and don't listen to it. So it's really starting to open up that pathway again. And then the last one, Brad, <laughs> I promise I've done is authenticity. And I think a big one I see in, with women in burnout and that I used to absolutely do is just this performing at work mm-hmm. and showing up performing a character and how you think people want you to show up and you, how you think you're going to be rewarded. And we're not actresses, we're not actors. And so that gets really exhausting after a period of time of pretending to be someone you're not. And so, of course, depending on where your industry lies, there is professionalism, of course. I'm not saying show up at work. Woo! But it's like, how can you honor who you really are and stop pretending? Yeah. Put down that mask because it's heavy. For sure. Absolutely. What do you do, Emily, to embody and live the values that you preach and teach to your clients when it comes to embodying those and your personal freedom and burnout? A big one, what first came to mind for me is really prioritizing my energy and really prioritizing feeling good and really prioritizing aliveness. And the busier my business has gotten, the more it's been easy. It's become easier to see why we make that choice to forego that prioritization because there's a part of me that's like, Ooh, we should say yes to this. (gasps) Oh, wow. And this scarcity, right? If you say no, it's not going to present itself again, that opportunity. But so for me, it's a non-negotiable standard to always be operating from a, a space of feeling amazing and feeling good. And if I'm not, going into my very extensive toolbox to yeah. to support myself, to resource myself and every day making sure I'm doing something outside of my business, make sure every day I am living in some way and I am enjoying my experience, my very precious short experience on this planet and really practice what I preach. Cause again, it's a huge part of what I do with burnt out clients, but also entrepreneurs. Yeah. And so if I'm working at all hours and then preaching that that's not congruent no it's not that's alignment. not yeah and 
I'm such a believer in it doesn't have to be that way. There is a paradigm of hustle and grind that we are taught that Mm -hmm. is not, that is taught as this is how to be successful. And that's one way, but there are infinite ways to be successful and to live a beautiful life. And so I'm really devoted to that path. I, for example, I'm really rigid about not having more than two calls a day. Because I know when I go above that, my energy starts to contract, my mind gets fuzzy, I can get irritable. I don't know if you're into human design, but I'm a projector in human design and my sacral mm-hmm. battery is a little lower. And so it's like making sure I'm honoring those standards for myself, those standards in which I know that I, I thrive yeah. and I can show up best for myself and my business and my clients. Now, obviously, mindset plays a huge part in the work you do and shifting mindsets. We've already talked a little bit about mindset. Can you speak to how important a part mindset played in helping you through your journey and just how important mindset is to our daily routines and successes? Yeah, I mean, I think we talked about this a little earlier, but for me, getting myself out of focusing on what was wrong (laughs) and focusing on what is going amazingly in my life and my business has been huge. And I Mm -hmm. used to live most of my life in the victim seat in life is happening to me versus I am the creator and I have infinite choice in freedom and power in this moment. And so I think mindset is so important. It's that voice that's up there chattering all the time. (laughs) So until we can start to create that awareness of what the voice is Uh and start to make choice from that spaciousness, I think we will always be a servant to our minds and we'll always just, oh, we'll be believing Every thought, every batch of crazy thought that floats through our mind. And so to me, a big part of mindset work is not believing it. Yeah. (laughs) Is understanding it's not who you are, but also understanding you are the one that sees that and creating as much space around the mind's chatter as you can and getting in your body and out of your mind and using tools. Like I talked about earlier with the reticular activating system, that is one of the biggest factors in how we perceive reality and understanding Mm -hmm. I actually have control over what its filters are and what it picks up around me. And that what you focus on expands peace. It's so simple, but to me, consciously every day, how can I program that to bring in more of what I desire? Emily, what would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before learning it? And what was your life like after learning it? Oh, you know what I'm thinking of? (laughs) That Carl Jung quote. Until you make the unconscious conscious, it will rule your life and you will call it fate. (laughs) And so Mm -hmm. it's understanding there's always a reason why we're doing what we're doing, why I'm doing what I'm doing and just getting curious about everything that's unfolding. And instead of judging or I can't believe this is happening or you're so stupid, it's just getting curious. It's bringing curiosity to, I think, everything that's unfolding and how you're showing up and how your partner's showing up and how your coworkers are showing up. It's like, what's really happening here? Why could this be unfolding? And I think that just opens up your lens and you're able to see things from such a more expansive and empowering way versus, oh, things are just happening. And it's bringing that unconscious narrative pattern out of the closet, (laughs) (laughs) out of the dark shadows and shining light on it. And with that, it starts to dissipate. It's like pulling the boogeyman out of the closet as well. I first got interested in 
this personal growth work really young. I would go to soccer practice when I was a kid and my mom was playing Eckhart Tolle. And I was, <laughs> I was like, this is so interesting. But I think it was when I, you know, like many, I started in therapy. That was like my big putting my toe in the pond. Yeah. Insurance covered it and everyone was starting to do it. So, okay. And so understanding how, oh, I'm not just the way I am. I'm the way I am because of all this crazy shit that's happened. And all yeah. my, my parents, bless them. They're so amazing. But no wonder I operate in this way. <laughs> <laughs> and from that being like, oh, that's not my destiny. That's not who I am. That doesn't have to be this way. I can make a different choice with this awareness. I have the power to change it. Mm. We always have a choice. I have choose tattooed on my there arm you for go. a reason. <laughs> See? There you go. What do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? I think I don't make no mean anything about me. And I think I just keep asking for what it is I want and what I desire. And I collect no's. Like I said this to my friend the other day, like Halloween candy. <laughs> I'm like, bring me more no's. Because then I know the more no's I collect, the more yeses I will never yeah. collect. And I think that has really served me to have the courage to go out and keep asking for the client, for to be on Brad's podcast, whatever <laughs> it is, asking versus waiting for it yeah. to just slide into my DMs or you my keep email. keep waiting if you do that. You'll ne- yeah. It'll never happen. You have to go after what you want and make it yeah. happen. You have to ask. Yeah. And if someone says no, expanding at at first, it used to feel really scary to me to receive no's. And I know for a lot of women, it feels really scary. It feels like we don't actually realize this, but in our nervous systems, there's this complete panic response and your heart is racing, your throat is tightening and you feel like it it means something very bad. Like you're going to die or the lion is chasing you or... (laughs) They think you're a terrible person. They think you're stupid, whatever. But I I just have expanded over the years my capacity to receive no's and understand doesn't mean anything about me. And I think when we have the courage to ask for what we desire, we are unstoppable. And there's some quote, the life you desire is one ask away. And I've really seen that to be true the past few years. I love talking about this too, because I think that no, that tiny two-letter word carries a lot of fucking weight. But I think that we need to look at no's as well as just because someone says no doesn't mean it's a permanent or it's a no forever. It just means no, not right now. And you can revisit that. So I think being able to wrap our heads around that as well and realizing that no is not always or necessarily a permanent no. It just means no, not right now. And revisit it. Ah, man. Yeah. But that fear of rejection is so real, is so primal. And in the body, it can feel like uh, I'm going to die. Something really bad is going to happen. I was rejected. Oh, my God. But they say no. And so when I start working with a lot of my entrepreneur women, it ultimately comes down to that. Yes. So more often than you would believe what the biggest blocks. They fear rejection. They fear Mm -hmm. being seen. They fear asking. So that I think is a superpower as a human, as a business owner, as a woman, as any human. It's so simple. And the best things are. I love We overcomplicate shit. We're humans. We all do it. Yeah, but it's so eye-rolly. But it's so true. If you don't ask, the answer is no 100% of the time. That's right. right. One of my first managers said that. And I was like, what? It's so dorky. But now I'm like... (laughs) No, like it's so true. <laughs> you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Yes, that's Michael Jordan. No, or... Wayne Gretzky. 
Oh, okay. Because there was a poster in one of my offices with that. It was near the bathroom. I remember walking by it and always rolling my eyes. And now I'm preaching it. (laughs) (laughs) Funny how things work, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Speaking of success, Emily, how do you define that word? What does the word success mean to you? Well, it has really changed over the years, hasn't it? Because it used to be this amount of money, my bank account, this salary, this house. But now for me, it's really just living in alignment with who I really am and the truth of my being and my desires. And a big barometer for me of success lately is the degree of aliveness I can yeah. feel in a day, in a week, in a month and versus what can I acquire? Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. can I check off? How do you define the word empowerment? What does that word mean to you? I think it's remembering who the fuck you are. <laughs> <laughs> who you are beyond the labels and the external shit. And it's just remembering that you've always had the power. You've always been the power. Think about the Mm -hmm. sun, right? At night, you don't see it shining, but that doesn't Mm -hmm. mean it's not there. And so it's like your power is always there. It's always burning. We just... We can forget, we can be wearing those shitty glasses we talked about earlier, <laughs> yeah. we, can, we can get confused, but it's remembering who you have always been. And there's that burning, fiery sun. It's always there. Beautiful. So all of this, like to me, all of this work we're up to here is mm-hmm. just remembering who we are. Yeah. It's stripping away all the layers, the onion layers, the mm-hmm. bullshit, the programming, and it's remembering how perfect and amazing we all are beautiful we all are beautiful (laughs) shiny and spectacular yes okay we're gonna jump into a little rapid fire section here so the next grouping of questions just be one two three word answer type thing okay (laughs) (laughs) how would you describe yourself in one word free if you could teach the world one thing what would it be Pleasure is productive. (laughs) What is one thing you love about yourself that is not related to your physical appearance? Mm, My heart. What's one thing you want but cannot buy with money? Love. Partnership. What is your favorite self-care practice? RRT, Rapid Resolution Therapy. If you could be remembered for one thing, what would it be? (laughs) My laughter. (laughs) (laughs) I love your laughter. I love it. <laughs> that concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. Ooh, okay. <laughs> what is one lesson your career has taught you that you think everyone should learn at some point in their life? I have the answer, Brad. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> Stack micro wins. Because I came into entrepreneurship. I got to make the big month. I got to have the big client. I have to have this big thing. Yeah. But it's, it's not about that. It's about stacking all of the little mini wins along the way and creating conditions for yourself to win even more and create that confidence and momentum mm-hmm. by stacking the micro wins. Because something people always told me was you got to be confident to be successful. Well, how do I do that? And to me, confidence is created by hitting what you're aiming at over and over again. So it's just like, okay. Micro win. How can I win more and stacking that shit? (laughs) But I think we also need to take note and remember that we need to fucking celebrate those wins when we Mm. get them too, because that's something that we do not do as human beings for the most part is we don't take the time to slow down and celebrate the wins. And even if they are micro wins, who gives a shit? They're still wins. You got to celebrate them, celebrate the the micro and the macro wins. We need to, because when we do that, we got to keep in mind that it also creates a ripple effect and lets people know or gives people that permission slip that, hey, Brad or Emily are celebrating. I can fucking celebrate too. Yeah. 
right? I love that so much, Brad. Another awful homework assignment I give clients is self-celebration. <laughs> and they're like, there's nothing to celebrate. I'm like, this micro win, this yeah. small win that your conscious mind is saying, that's not big enough. That's not sexy enough. You get to go celebrate it this week. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> go on a solo date, buy yourself some flowers. I'm yep. celebrating all the time. We People think to. I'm a little crazy sometimes. I'm like, well, that's why you're not as happy as I am. There you go. <laughs> what is something surprising that you've learned about yourself in the last year? Something surprising, I think, is that I'm really good at getting messy and really getting in there and messing things up and finding out. Well, what is that? Fucking around and finding out. I come from this background of being a perfectionist and being like, I'm going to you know, follow all the rules. But I think something I've learned is, wow, I'm really good at getting in the mess and figuring things out and just jumping in, flying off the cliff and just figuring out as I go. I didn't know. I didn't fully trust that and know that about myself until like, the past year. I was like, oh, there's nothing I can't figure out. What is your why? I think it goes back to reminding people, reminding women who they are, who they've been all along beneath all the bullshit and all the programming and all the habituated thinking. And it's just, we are incredible and there's nothing we can't do and we can't create. I'm a big believer. We are more often than not the only thing standing in our way yeah. between yeah, us and what we desire. And I, there's nothing that just makes my heart just sing more than that moment of seeing that aha moment of like, oh, I've been making it so complicated. I can just do that. <laughs> we are our own biggest hurdles. 100%. Yeah, We're yeah. our own worst enemies. Yeah. I don't have yeah. to adhere to this timeline, this no. box checking, or I can make the courageous ask, or it's okay to mess it up and be messy and be imperfect. Yes. The just... possibilities are infinite. Yeah, truly. No, mm -hmm. truly. Yeah, That's the thing. absolutely. If you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one-hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, who would it be and why? Uh, well, I'm in Mexico City, <laughs> and I just went to Frida Kahlo's old oh, house. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Casa Azul. And I would have to say Frida Kahlo at the moment, because mm -hmm. to me, she is such a trailblazer and so unapologetically herself. And just didn't give a shit and just created what she desired to create and used her voice. It's just, she's so weird and wacky <laughs> and wonderful. And she did that before it was cool. <laughs> she did that when it was like dangerous to do that. So I just think she's amazing. She has a really cool house here in Mexico City Very that's cool. painted all blue. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and full of gorgeous art. <laughs> if you could go back, Emily, and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? Mm -hmm. That you can't mess it up. You just can't. Stop worrying so much. Do it. Just do the <laughs> just damn do thing. Just do the damn thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Lastly, if you were to deliver your last 30-second speech to the world, your corner of the world, your tribe, your people, your ladies... What would that last 30 seconds sound like? What words of wisdom would you impart? I would say that you are here for yourself. You are not here for the opinions of your friends, your parents, your partner, your coworkers. You're here for yourself. And that's not selfish, even though you've been told it is selfish to prioritize yourself. Like I even... Yeah, I'm not going to go into that, but I had an ex-boyfriend tell me all the time, you're selfish. I'm like, I don't think you get what that means because yeah, there's this programming that if you focus on making yourself feel good and alive and connected and peaceful, that's so, so selfish. And I think 
the greatest thing we can do for our communities is to tend to our own backyard and our own energy, because that is when you have the most impact in this world. So anyone who tells you <laughs> it is selfish to focus on yourself is very confused. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Emily, thank you so much for taking and making the time to be here with me today. It was an absolute pleasure and honor to have you here and to finally have the opportunity to sit down and speak with you and learn and share in your journey and the beautiful light you put out into the world through all the work you're doing. I appreciate you. And I'm so grateful for our connection, our friendship, and for you being a member of the Empowerography community. Thank you so much for all that you do and all that you are. Oh, Brad, my heart is so full right now. Thank you for having me. I am so honored because there are so many incredible women that have walked before me and joined the club. Here I am. You have arrived, Emily. So thank you. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure. The pleasure was all mine. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Emily Todd. She is a personal freedom and business coach, a speaker, corporate wellness facilitator and founder of the burnout prevention and recovery program burnout academy thank you so much emily i hope you have a beautiful rest of your day thank you brad you too thank you very much for listening to this podcast if you haven't yet please be sure to subscribe rate review and share with all your friends you can find me at visuphoria.ca follow me on instagram at empowerography podcast and on facebook at empowerography Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.